You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon from the studios of Community Radio, 91.3 FM. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Jar Turner. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. Coming up in today's feature report, we have an interview with the owner of Vance Music about the future of his business in the coming months. Also coming up in the next half hour, Middleway House talks about the increase of domestic violence when school is not in session. But first, your local headlines. The Indiana State Department of Health reported four cases of COVID-19 in Monroe County. State Health Department reports the total number of positive cases jumped to 477 people, as the number of those tested increased to at least 3,300 people. So far, there are 14 reported deaths in Indiana. The Monroe County Health Department reported a limited number of students and faculty at Edgewood High School came into contact with an individual who tested positive for coronavirus. According to a Richland Bean Blossom Community School Corporation press release, the Monroe County Health Department is in the process of contacting these people. The County Health Department says it will follow up with those involved to decide when they can be released from isolation. The Health Department is in the middle of conducting contact tracing to determine others who might have come into contact with the individual. So far, four total cases are confirmed in Monroe County. The Bloomington Utilities Service Board opened bids for the Dillman Road Wastewater Treatment Plant upgrade. During their March 20th meeting, Mike Hicks said three bids were received. He discussed bid dates with board member Jeff Amon. The next Utility Service Board meeting will be held on March 30th. Governor Eric Holcomb discussed COVID-19 at a press conference at noon Monday. He declared a stay-at-home executive order for non-essential business operations. This will last from March 25th to April 7th. The executive order allows for essential businesses to remain open. If not followed, he said the state will suspend food and beverage licenses. For more on the story, we turn to Assistant News Director Sydney Foreman, reporting from home. On Monday, March 23rd, the Executive Department of the State of Indiana released Executive Order 20-08 for the directive of all Hoosiers to stay at home. The order was signed by Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb and attested by Secretary of State Connie Lawson. This orders all Indiana residents to stay at home beginning March 24th through April 6th, with the exceptions of those having to attend, quote, essential activities, essential government meetings, or to participate in essential businesses and operations, end quote. According to the executive order, this prohibits any size of gatherings outside of a single household and creating the forced closure of, quote, all places of public amusement, whether indoors or outdoors, including, but not limited to, locations with amusement rides, carnivals, amusement parks, water parks, aquariums, zoos, museums, arcade fairs, children's play centers, playgrounds, funplexes, theme parks, bowling alleys, movies, or other theaters, concert and music halls, and country clubs or social clubs, end quote. Under the order, only essential travel within and to or from the state is allowed for medical reasons, necessary supplies, or for essential business. Anyone using public transit must comply with social distancing or staying six feet apart. 
people are permitted to engage in outdoor activities while maintaining social distancing. Certain places of business are permitted to stay open with staff. These include types of work that provide care, sell necessary supplies, food manufacturers, residential and sheltering facilities, religious entities, media, postal services, business suppliers, transportation, home care, restaurants for only takeout or delivery, transportation, and funeral services, all providing only the essential services. For businesses serving a diverse customer base, the order requires separate operating hours specifically providing service for those at a higher risk to reduce the spread. The order urges those experiencing homelessness to seek a safe shelter and allows those experiencing unsafe living conditions, such as domestic violence, to find alternative safe locations. The order can be enforced by, quote, state and local law enforcement, as well as other governmental entities, end quote. For WFHB, I'm Sydney Foreman. Bloomington Transit will now provide free fare rides to all customers riding any fixed route. According to a city press release, free rides began on Tuesday, March 24th. Any passengers riding the bus must enter through the rear doors to avoid coming within six feet of the Bloomington Transit driver. However, anyone needing wheelchair or mobility device accessibility may continue to enter through the front bus entrance. Additionally, Bloomington Transit is, quote, disinfecting fixed route and BT access vehicles on a nightly basis using special equipment, end quote. BT has also closed its downtown transit center doors to the public, but will be providing public portable restrooms. Bloomington Transit Service plans past March 29th will be announced at a later date. United Way of Monroe County partnered with a variety of organizations to provide emergency relief. WFHB correspondent Alex Dieterer has more. In partnership with nearly 30 other organizations, United Way of Monroe County launched a COVID-19 emergency relief fund. Bloomington Health Foundation is matching individual donations dollar for dollar up to $25,000. According to WBIW.com, President and CEO of Bloomington Health Foundation, Jonathan Branda, said, quote, Bloomington Health Foundation stands beside our local health and social service partners in these uncertain times. This initial investment will help our partners address urgent needs. Moving forward, we are committed to listening to our partners as we seek to understand our community's developing needs and where help is needed in the days and weeks ahead, end quote. The fund was set into motion with $250,000 committed by individual donors and partners, including Bloomington Health Foundation, Community Foundation of Bloomington and Monroe County, Monroe County Government, City of Bloomington, Bloomington Township, Perry Township, Van Buren Township, Duke Energy, Cook Medical, Old National Bank, and Owen County State Bank. With the committed funds from partners, United Way of Monroe County is stocking the local food supply pantries and creating safe isolation spaces for homeless individuals in shelters and transitional housing. According to WBIW.com, President and CEO of the Community Foundation of Bloomington and Monroe County, Tina Peterson, said, quote, We can think of no greater priority today than for us as a community to ensure that the basic needs of all of our friends and neighbors are met. The Community Foundation is grateful for the opportunity to join organizations and individuals from across the community in supporting the United Way's Emergency Relief Fund. In the coming days, we will be exploring other emerging needs that are becoming apparent and will determine what else we need to be doing during this critical time for our community, 
end quote. The fund will receive and disperse 100% of all donations in the upcoming weeks to nonprofits who find themselves low with resources and to serve individuals and families. Priority needs for the COVID-19 Emergency Relief Fund will focus on the following. Sustaining operations and level of service of area nonprofits meeting community members' basic needs. Developing safe, temporary residential programs for at-risk individuals currently unsheltered or in mass shelters or group homes. Funding temporary staffing or volunteer mobilization efforts in response to the loss of volunteer-based critical to daily operations and increasing capacity of local food security systems and financial assistance programs at area townships and nonprofits. The fund was designed to be flexible and distribute the funds in a timely manner to organizations serving those in need. The start of the fund was inspired by the Tornado Relief Fund of 2019 and the United Way's Flood Relief Fund of 2008. As stated in United Way of Monroe County's press release just this week, the ultimate goal for this emergency fund is to, quote, support immediate needs of our most vulnerable neighbors in our region during this pandemic, end quote. For WFHB, I'm Alex Dieterer. The College Board will allow high school students to take AP exams online. WFHB correspondent Katrine Bruner provides an update on the future of AP courses. The College Board recently made a public statement on the status of their advanced placement exams. It was stated on the College Board website that based on the pandemic going on right now, quote, it's clear that the usual way AP exams are given at schools won't be possible, end quote. With these new challenges that the College Board is facing, new procedures will come for students to still have access to taking tests that can provide possible college credit for high school seniors. On their website, the College Board explained that they are working to develop a safe, 45-minute online free response exam for each AP course. The test will only include information that students have learned up until early March before schools closed. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb announced the closure of all high schools until May 1st, as a tentative date to reassess as the virus continues. In addition to online testing, the College Board plans on providing students with free resources, such as practice exams. Exams for AP tests are set to be taken during the weeks from May 4th to the 15th. Free online practice exams and online study resources should be accessible to students starting March 25th, according to the College Board. For WFHB, I'm Katrine Bruner. Six people died after a car drove off the road in Laurel, Indiana. For more on the tragedy, we turn to WFHB correspondent Braden Lentz. A quiet early Friday evening in Franklin County was shattered after authorities were reported to the scene of two cars drowning by rising floodwaters on a bridge near the Sands Creek in Laurel, Indiana. On the scene, a team found a pickup truck plus a van while the bridge holding the cars began to sink. This began a search that brought 40 to 50 first responders and volunteers to help those trapped inside their vehicles. It took time as the last victim was pulled out of their car on Saturday morning after the crew had to suspend operations due to heavy darkness. Out of the rubble, six people died, including Sean Roberts, 47, Burton Spurlock, 48, and Felina Lewis, 35, including three children, ages 13, 7, and 4. 
According to Fox 59's interview with Franklin County Sheriff Pete Kate, it was a huge victory for both the police department and the people involved. He said, quote, We are extremely thankful for the overwhelming outpouring of support by all agencies involved, as well as the many community members who assisted in search efforts. End quote. For WFHB, I am Braden Lentz. WFHB correspondent Jasmine White reports on how local restaurants are impacted by coronavirus. Local food businesses have been highly impacted by COVID-19. These businesses serve the greater Bloomington area daily. Though I did not get personal interviews, I am following the news as Governor Eric Holcomb gave out these announcements. Following the governor's executive order, they will no longer do dine-in and hours have been changed. None will be open past 8 o'clock p.m., but are remaining open as they are an essential business. They will remain open until told to close. Not only is this an issue to the public, but employers are also financially impacted as well as employees whose hours have changed. COVID-19 is serious, and to get back to regular life, we must follow protocol. Continue to take necessary precautions. As WFHB hears more about your favorite Bloomington locals, we will report. For WFHB, I'm Jasmine White. Now for today's feature report. Katie Young reports how the coronavirus outbreak affects downtown Bloomington, and particularly a local music shop who will likely struggle as a result of Governor Holcomb's stay-at-home order. All is quiet near Fountain Square. You can hear the sound of cars passing by, but it's not busy downtown for a Tuesday afternoon. The sidewalks are nearly empty, with an exception of a jogger, a dog walker, in a pedestrian crossing Kirkwood Avenue and Walnut Street. A sign inside the window of the Monroe County Courthouse says, quote, Monroe County Government Building Closed Until Further Notice, end quote. Another notice dates March 23rd, and it's signed by County Attorney Margie Rice. It says the Monroe County Council will convene on Wednesday, March 25th at 2 p.m. The notice said the meeting is open to the public, although the number of people allowed in will be limited. In every restaurant, shop, and small business, there are notices inside the windows, except for one local business that will stay open until they're required by law to lock their doors. This is Vance Music Center, presided and owned by Phil Gauze. I stopped in and talked to him about COVID-19's local economic impact, maintaining six feet apart during the interview. Well, right now, business is extremely slow because nobody's out. Mm-hmm. And we're still getting a number of customers coming in. Gauze worked at Vance Music Center for 43 years. He's owned the company for 25 of those years. He bought the company directly from its previous owner, Bernie Vance. He said with the new restrictions, Vance Music will cut back on employees' hours. It will offer a curb service while ensuring doors are locked. Gauze said he's disappointed local shops like his remain closed, while large corporations with crowded spaces such as grocery and hardware store chains will stay open. They're putting the restrictions like on businesses like ours and the restaurants where they have to do a drive through. But it's no different us running stuff out to people as this restaurant doing that. Plus, you've got Lowe's, Menards, any hardware store. Sam's Club, Walmart, Kmart, whatever, Target. And, you know, people just go in in groups and wander. So they're not really distancing people. 
And if the people don't pay attention to it, what are the rest of us just supposed to eat it, even though we're paying attention? Those of us that are smaller that don't have, uh, you know, the weren't born with the golden spoon and don't have the deep pockets to to go on forever making absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? You know, and if they don't get this relief thing going pretty soon, then those of us trying to continue on are going to use up all of our resources that we might be able to get to and still be in the hole so far that we can't get out. Vance Music started in 1948. Since its opening, it experienced economic downturns. Gauze describes this period of time right now as an economic downturn, and he is worried about the impact COVID-19 will take on his business. There isn't anybody that knows what to do in this situation, you know, so you just got to do the best you can. And I mean, we're constantly washing our hands and using the uh, sanitizer and sanitizing instruments, the whole bit, you know. So somebody plays one and didn't buy it and take it home, you sanitize it. So it's not like we're, oh yeah, here's here's this germ-laden thing that we're trying to sell you and get it out of the store, you know. We are a luxury item, so to speak. No one absolutely has to have us except for someone who is interested in music, loves to play music, and that's what keeps them on a level playing field, you know. But do you, you know, if you're out in the middle of the desert, a guitar is not going to do you any good except for a couple of days while you still have the energy to play it. During the stay-at-home executive order, he assured the doors will remain locked. Well, we will lock the door, but we're planning on at least one or two people each day coming down to the store so that if someone calls in, we can take care of that need. His philosophy during this time is to simply take care of business, even in the smallest of ways. He wants to serve his clients to do his part in contributing to the community. You know, there aren't going to be, for a little while, there aren't going to be any big sales. Like this morning, we had a young lady that's going to be locked down for three weeks. Uh, She came in and bought a keyboard so that she could have something to do for that period of time. And eventually, maybe as times get better, trade it on up to something better. So, but at least it's it's a way that she can keep playing music and doing that. The owner said money will be tight in the coming months. Making money in the music business in general proves difficult. However, Gauze stays hopeful for the times ahead. He said he will continue doing what he can to keep his business afloat. The heydays of making a lot of money in the music business had went by the wayside already. Mm-hmm. But I knew how to do this. You know, I mean, I, I had time invested, effort invested. So I invested money as well. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's just, it's the same. Yeah. Time, effort, and money. <laughs> Walking outside the door to Vance Music, you can see the empty sidewalk. Cars pass on Walnut Street and College Avenue. Above the noise of the automobiles, you can hear the birds sing. For WFHB, I'm Cade Young. Domestic violence tends to increase when school is not in session. Middleway House offers services to domestic violence victims. 
I interviewed Deborah Morrow, Executive Director of Middleway House. So first off, how is business holding up during this time given the COVID-19 outbreak? We are working very hard to ensure the safety of all our staff and clients. We have some advocates who are working at home, some that are working here. We have added the ability to be able to text and to do phone calls off-site, to be able to add support groups done remotely. We're working to make sure that we can still reach survivors and survivors can still reach us. We're still doing protective orders, and we've, we work with the courts to go ahead so they can go ahead and get filed if somebody needs a protective order, even though the courts are shut down. We are just, we're adding a lot of technology that we have not previously used because we feel like that's the only way to ensure that we can reach people. We are still serving individuals in our shelter who are fleeing domestic violence and working very hard at keeping them safe both physically, you know, from abuse and also health-wise. It's challenging. I mean, we're navigating a lot of new waters, but I'm really impressed with the staff and how they're all pulling together and how we're making this work because we know that domestic violence isn't going to end because of this, and it's probably going to increase. You know, as you were mentioning, domestic violence tends to increase when school is out. So what advice do you have for victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking at this time? First off, I want them to know that we're still here and available to help them. And that can be more challenging for them if they're quarantining with their abuser. That can be very difficult. Um, That's why we have added to where people can text and things like that so that they can still stay in communication with Folks here, you know, when we talk about around the holidays, it escalates. There's sometimes, though, that there are kind of lulls when the family's trying to hold everything together to get through the holidays because everybody wants this magical, special time. And so sometimes they stay together, and sometimes it's right after the holidays. Um, people tend to leave, I think, more often when school's not in session, so they're not pulling kids out of school. Right now, I think. There's a lot of fear in people, and so some survivors are really trying to stay with their abusers and make it work, and I always want individuals to know that if you know someone who's in an abusive relationship, that you keep in contact with them, either, you know, by calling them every day and checking up on the family or whatever, just to keep lines of communication open. Because abusers can use this time to isolate individuals more. And it's very important that they know that there is still hope available. And hopefully they're able to access it even when they're with their abuser. That is so important, especially your advice to victims uh, during this time and their friends. Um, I think that's exactly what their friends need to hear to be supportive. Absolutely, absolutely. And understanding that at this moment, if they're still with their abuser, they're They are making the best decision for themselves now. This is what they have decided to do, and we can't judge them for it. We have to support them and just keeping the line of communication open and not letting them feel judged is so important. And by calling and checking on the entire family, the abuser may not feel so threatened that you're calling. 
and checking in. So then that leads to the next question is what services do you guys offer to victims? We have our emergency shelter. We have transitional housing. We have um, our crisis line, our legal advocacy service, talk to people on phones, help people with their protective orders. We'll have our support groups up and going really soon, hopefully. I know she's working on it right now, so hopefully by next week, people will be able to access support groups that had previously gone, and then also texting with their advocates. We have our transitional housing. We still have people there. And at this current time, we are still operating our child care and our youth program for our families that live in our shelter or our transitional housing program who are still working and want to maintain their jobs. Now, that is always a day-by-day, every day we're reevaluating. But at this point, we still feel comfortable providing it. If there comes a point our youth program ends up having to shut down, we're discussing plans for being able to continue interactions with the children and tutoring by using technology such as Zoom and stuff so that the kids can still interact with the tutors and stuff. Well, thank you for discussing domestic violence victims with me. Thank you for caring. I appreciate that so much. I wanted to ask you, what are Middleway House's needs right now, um, overall? Overall, right now, um, in with the loss of volunteers, staffing costs will be increased. I will tell you that with the last rain, we had a pretty significant leak at the rise that um, I just got an estimate of over $80,000 to fix that we are going to have to fix right now. I mean, honestly, I think, and then added technology costs. So, I mean, there's always the standard day-to-day needs. We're not accepting clothing donations or, you know, um, people bring a lot of donations from their homes. We're not accepting those right now just to avoid any contamination if anybody is sick in those homes. So we're only accepting donations through our Amazon wish list right now or medicine, unopened bottles of cold medicine and things like that. Now, before we part ways, is there anything else that you wanted to add um, that you think our listeners should know about? I think it's important to remember that this is a time that could be very, very challenging for so many folks. And when you think about a family who's experiencing domestic violence, it is a time that may make that individual experiencing abuse and also the children at higher risk. So I think just being there and being supportive of your neighbors and knowing, knowing that we are still there and available. And, you know, if somebody knows that a family member is experiencing domestic violence and they need support and how... They can best help. They're always welcome to call our crisis line, too. Well, definitely. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Jasmine White, Braden Lintz, Katrine Bruner, and Sydney Foreman in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our features were produced by Kate Young. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Our executive producer is Kate Young. For WFHB, this is Jar Turner. And I'm Kate Young. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent local news program. You can be part of our award-winning news team. Send inquiries to news at wfhb.org. 
Stay tuned for Hereabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio, coming up next on WFHB. Listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 